I speak to you in the name of the one who created us, the one who redeemed us, and the one who sanctifies us, mother of us all. Amen. A few years ago, I met a man with an awesome vision. A vision so inspiring, so overwhelming, that it was kind of hard to fathom. John H. Finley IV, descendant of a venerable family of Episcopalians and a Harvard man, now himself an Episcopal priest, he had a vision for a school for the economically disadvantaged children in the Dorchester neighborhood of Boston. While there had been many schools, public, private, charter, attempting to reach these students, Finley's vision awed even the most experienced and cynical of teachers and parents. Father fin Finley imagined an independent Episcopal school for fifth through eighth grade students that would ask students to volunteer two hours a week and to have their children in school 12 hours a day, 11 months of the year. In exchange, students would receive excellent instruction in small classes focused especially on math and reading. They would receive three meals and snacks every single day they guaranteed every student health care, regular vision and dental exams. They got them eyeglasses and therapy if the students needed it. And they promised that the school would never, ever give up on a child, no matter what. When I met John, I was astounded and moved by this vision. The school was only a few years old at that time, and he told stories of kids who hated school, who misbehaved, who swore in their teachers' faces, yet who would be greeted every single morning outside of the school by a phalanx of teachers, including the head of school, John, who were eager to greet them to shake their hands, to welcome them to a school that costs $25,000 per student per year, yet asks not a cent of the families. Because John had a deep, has a deep love for God who finds each of us sacred, he had a vision of a school where kids would never fail just because they didn't have the right clothes or access to a dentist or because they struggled emotionally or financially. Kids routinely wonder at that school, is this for real? Is this place really for me? Is there something I can do to be put out of this place? The students wonder and they often test the teachers and staff to find out the answers and the answers are, this is for you, 
this place is for you, this is real, we will never, ever give up on you. This vision of a school that never gives up on a kid inspires ridiculously generous donors. And now Epiphany School has just celebrated its 20th year and welcomed some of its graduates returning to the school as teachers. An excellent school that shapes students for academically rigorous high schools and colleges, Epiphany describes itself ultimately, ultimately this way. We are a school founded on love. We are a school founded on love. What a vision. What a vision found in the midst of a struggling community, a place that others too often overlook, founded for kids and their families too often written off. It's an awe-inspiring vision. And yet often we get so caught up in the daily worries and to-do lists of our own lives that we miss out on awe-inspiring visions. We don't see the power of God working among us. But we encounter such a vision from our prophet Isaiah who is overwhelmed by a vision of God in the temple so high and lofty that only the hem of God's robe can be seen. Seraphim fly around covering their eyes before the Holy One yelling, holy, 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 before this amazing vision. Isaiah feels small, unworthy. I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Isaiah wonders, is this for me? Is God for me? And in the gospel, Nicodemus is overwhelmed, befuddled by Jesus and his message. He comes by cover of night to ask Jesus questions. How can anyone be born after having grown old? How can these things be, he asks. Nicodemus is awed by Jesus and his message, wondering, is this for me? Is this man, is this message for me? Both Isaiah and Nicodemus are overawed in the presence of God, keenly aware of their shortcomings, not exactly sure how this is all going to work out. And neither of them gets a clear answer. They aren't told that they are perfectly fine the way they are. Their confusion is not erased. They aren't told how to make themselves worthy or clean. No, they don't get clarity or answers so much as they get good news. Isaiah's unclean mouth is touched with a live coal made clean by a holy God. Nicodemus is told that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God doesn't condemn the world, rather he sent the world in order that the world might be saved. 
Both men receive an awe-inspiring vision that overwhelms them, that they can hardly understand, but a vision that reframes their whole lives. God is holy, awesome, inspiring. God is for them, for the world. In the midst of our everyday lives, can we believe, can we accept such a vision? In the hurly-burly of the everyday, the worries that niggle always at the back of our minds, the failures that we carry on our backs like the shell of a snail, can we live into this other reality? the reality that is more real than our everyday, the reality that the glory of the Lord surrounds us, that our unclean lips can be made clean, not by us, but by God, that we don't have to understand everything, but that there is still good news, that God loves this sad old world, that our awesome, powerful God is for each and every one of us. This vision of a powerful, life-giving, holy God who yet loves us, though we are of unclean lips, can be hard to accept, or perhaps it can be hard to feel deep in our bones. We might intellectually assent to it, but we still wonder, are we worthy? Is this for us? We might act out trying to prove that we're too bad to be included in this vision. We might try to shape up and perfect ourselves, convinced that we must do something to earn that love. This good news, this powerful vision of love is hard to grasp, hard to believe. Though preachers preach it and we might even say it to one another, the world at large and many of us in here still don't know it. I think that's why Bishop Curry's sermon at the royal wedding just eight days ago took the world by storm. Since then, Bishop Curry has been on The View and Good Morning America and Today. Saturday Night Live featured a great impression of him. It was actually pretty spot on. And all media from the New York Times to TMZ are quoting our presiding bishop. Now, Bishop Curry's sermon was wonderful. It was lively as usual, but it was pretty simple. Still, that simple sermon shared the good news that our God is an awesome God of love, that love has a power that we've not yet fully tested, that God is for us, God loves us. That's a simple message, yet people are so hungry for this tantalizing vision that isn't a mirage but the truth. Bishop Curry wove an astounding vision for all those at the wedding and all those watching on TV. Some people seemed overwhelmed by that. Some seemed befuddled. 
but many were enraptured to hear the good news shared so honestly. On this Trinity Sunday, when we might be dazzled by an awesome vision of our God who is three in one and one in three, we can be overwhelmed by a God who is mystery, holy, incomprehensible. We can be befuddled by such a seemingly ridiculous math problem, one plus one plus one equals one. We can walk away thinking that we'll never understand. Or we can choose to stand before the dazzling beauty and majesty of our God, overawed by that vision and accept that though we are people of unclean lips, though we can never fully understand on this side of the veil that God fully accepts us, loves us, makes us worthy, all we need to know is that the Trinity, that community of three persons, is lover, beloved, love. And that the Trinity, our God, reaches out in love because that is God's absolute nature. We don't have to understand. We only need to know our God is three persons. God the creator who for love of us and the world gave the Son. God the Son, the beloved who loves the world so much that he gave his life and sent us the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit, the love who resides with us still so that we might know that we are never ever alone. That we are accepted, loved, and that God never ever, ever gives up on us. In the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity, amen. <laughs>